podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hello and welcome to the Five Plan Podcast. Hey! Part 269. Ooh. Uh, sponsored by Vector Printing for your printing you needs. Go to Vector Cody Kay's regular. Okay. And JCIS Global Research and Brand Consultancy from South London. Visit jc-is.com. I will. Nice to see you down. Andy Street. Oh, it's nice. Hello. Somebody sounds like they mean it for once. Isn't well, that we've got a succession Are of you guests saying Jen Dendercott? Never. Yeah. It's his elocution to do some work. Yeah. Oh, poor oh. Enders. Everybody's not here. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely I know he hammered. doesn't listen. Who says he's not here? Oh, no, that's a yeah. terrible, <laughs> terrible impression, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, Kevin Day? Hello. How are you? Well, I'm all right. I'm, I'm taking on board the criticism of the past few weeks. It said the pod's been a bit downbeat, so I'm going to be all upbeat and say we're not going to go down. Okay. We're going to finish 15th. Seeing as we've just spoken about the game off the off mic, I think that's going to be a bit difficult for All you. All I said was, in a joking fashion, is the FA Cup first round draw, and <laughs> the way things are going in two seasons' time, we'll be in it. That's always a joke. Okay. Well, before we talk about Palace, we talk about Mouth and March, because... Yeah, let's do that. That's happened since the last pod. Yeah. How are you guys feeling? All right. Well, now, it's two weeks ago, so I'm all right now. <laughs> it's fine. It was all no, right. It was a, week, it was a week and a bit. It's too hot, wasn't it? Even you must admit it was too hot, Andy. And you love the sun. Yeah, despite your missed the freckles. Yeah, uh, it was it was a bit warm. It was a bit warm. Yeah, it was. But yeah, it was it was uh, it was top easy, event it, as ever. It was easier than last time, but not as easy as we thought it was going to be. It was. I found it a lot easier than last time. Oh, did you? Well, our time was an hour and five minutes quicker. Was it really? It no, was. really. Yeah, yeah. I wonder as if there's anything that we could sort of glean in terms of differences between this year and last year where we walked it with James Endicott in jeans and uh, bad old trainers. Although we did walk the first two miles sulking because we'd put in. Put in the third group, yeah, the C group. So we were, we were, we weren't long. We beat AJ and Neil Shipley, which is that's because they did six points in the last <laughs> six miles. <laughs> but sponsor wise, they did really well. They did, yeah. Well, everyone did. did. Seventy-five thousand pounds. They've just uh, they've just it, passed. It's an astonishing feat because um, quite a few people I know work for charity, so it's always much more difficult the second time round to yeah. get people interested. So thank you to the, especially the generosity of all the FYP people who who yeah. sponsored us because we certainly did our bit, but. It was good. The camaraderie was was wonderful. It was in stark contrast to the lack of camaraderie on the football lads' <laughs> march that we passed. Yeah, <laughs> let's let's just say that the police didn't have any bother with 160 Palace fans. Well, you never um, do. Come on, Palace no. fans. I like that. That's damning with faint praise. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, we did a charity <laughs> event and we didn't get arrested. <laughs> well, well done, you. Yeah. <laughs> I nearly got arrested on a quiz night once. That's fine. Well, there we go. It can happen. Um, so obviously, we gave away. We're giving away prizes for people that donated. Yes, um, and thank you to everybody who did donate. Yeah, we're going to announce next week. We're going to announce who has won those prizes on the pod. You can still what? donate. I believe donations oh, are well, still open. Is that why you've taken two weeks to decide who's won? <laughs> yeah, also I haven't got around to it yet. The link is justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash FYP podcast. And there's, there's various prices there depending on what you donate. We've so far had about fifteen hundred pounds donated. So it's going to be brilliant amazing. when you get my mum on the pod because she donated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. We did miss. Well, to might be, improve the insight. To be fair. we did miss. We we did walk it quicker about Endicott, but we did miss him. We did. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. We did. Yeah. We did. And Rob as well. We had Rob and Endicott both out. Yeah. So sure. We yeah. did walk it quicker. <laughs> <laughs> It was a great day. It was well, a great Rob, day. Rob's great because you, if, you, if you want to know what aeroplane it is, just flown over <laughs> for 26 miles. Rob's really useful. <laughs> oh, that's going to Heathrow. It's over going to Gatwick or Heathrow, Rob. So I would have guessed one or the other. Well, then you let yourself in for it you'll start talking to you about Stansted, London, London oh, City, oh, Luton. Yeah. It's just come from Addis It's a minefield. It's just come from Addis Well, no, Abba, it's not yeah. a literal minefield. But it's just come from Addis Ababa, that plane. I've just come from Thornton Heath. Can we... <laughs> Speaking of minefields... Oh, what did you Crystal Palace FC. <laughs> What's the last time you got to use Palace that link? <laughs> <laughs> never, and hopefully never again. Um, lost to Everton on Sunday, 2-0. Mm-hmm. Um, 
<sighs> well, I don't even. I really don't know where to to begin because there's so much to talk about. It's always you two. I, I hate watching games on telly. You never get a true picture. It was, yeah. Well, it's your fault, of course, because you yeah. watched it and we lost. I, I've, yeah, it's been pointed out to me by several people. <laughs> it's. Uh, I've come to the conclusion that probably we would have lost if I hadn't watched it. But, probably so. Yeah. <laughs> Because I don't think I'm that important in the scheme of the things. The scheme, it's it's frustrating because there are so many positive things about it, which makes it uh, the, the almost inevitable defeat even worse somehow. Because it was, it, been, was it, it inevitable? Oh, it looked the longer the game went on, it looked. Yeah, there was only one team trying to win it, which was frustrating. Having said that, I speaking of influence, I did tweet from FYP when yeah, Calvert Lewin came on. Did you? Yeah, it did. feels like a Calvert Lewin last minute winner. Which, in hindsight, yeah. Well, also it wasn't. You know, Tosin, Tosin scoring was considering we were within an hour of signing him by all accounts. Yeah, so that's really frustrating. But by then, but, by then, after that first goal, yeah, second goal was irrelevant, really. We're back to seasons past when we're conceding goals late on in games again. Same at Bournemouth, and we're conceding arguably unnecessary goals. I mean, the substitutions is is what people are talking about because you could see Everton using their subs to win the game, and you could see that we weren't managing the game. It's yeah, of course, Roy Hodgson's a, a, a really, really good manager, and of course, he knows more about football than we do. But it's you'd like to know why. I mean, I presume his logic would be that we were drawing nil nil and doing all right. So why would you change the team? But it looked fairly obvious on TV that certain players in midfield were tiring and, and it looked, you know, there were options. It's like, if you're going to have Conor Wickham there, you, 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 he's not getting fit on the bench. So if he, bring him on for the last 15 minutes as an outball, if you want, or bring Riedewald on for Schlupp. There, there were things that you could see the three central midfield players were, were struggling. The thing is, you but are right. Looked, you are right that we, yeah. were, we, were play, we were playing well, Andy. Like, it was, well, it was a good performance. I would, I would slightly disagree. We were defending well. I don't. I think that's slightly different from playing well because of the lack of ambition. But you, if you think about the Wolves game away for, at Sellers Park when Wolves got one 0 up, they just kept the ball away from us. We didn't seem capable of doing that. We didn't seem capable of stringing seven, eight, nine passes together to take the sting out of the game. We just sat deeper and deeper, corner after corner after corner, and, and you were looking constantly looking in the top left hand corner of the screen for the time. And it was just like, and again, if we'd got a point out of it, you'd say it'd be like Bournemouth's a point. We, probably deserved yeah. but defensively Everton didn't look that good and we didn't even begin to take advantage of it we looked like Newcastle for like the last half hour of the game well that has been an issue for us this season yeah. hasn't it not, not creating enough chances but when you go to someone like Everton Andy and when you're on a tough run and as Selzy said on Pod Extra yesterday you want to go defensive you want to be hard to beat and we were uh, I, I think it's slightly harsh to say that we weren't creating chances Kiate's header is you know slaps slap against the bar uh the header that perhaps uh what's that set piece set piece well ultimately this is yeah, you know still, still, from still a chance yeah, and andros townsend has a, a curl one that perhaps you know if he makes better contact with there are plenty of little half chances from open play and chances from set pieces and i, I think it's a bit harsh when they had they had struggled to create anything until the last 10 minutes they were they had more shots in, in general, but they didn't have more shots on target because they were restricted to a large extent to doing the sort of thing that Gilfie Sigurdsson did in the first half where he attempts a volley from about 35 yards and it gets nowhere near. Mm. We were defending so resolutely and with those two banks of four that they, they were restricted too. And obviously there, there's a point that, as, as Kevin says, that it was becoming more apparent as, as time went on that more pressure was being exerted by them. But you kind of expect that away against a team as good as Everton, that they're going to rally a little bit, particularly with the psychological boost of uh, saving the penalty. It was referred to in you know depth by Jodie and Lescott and Redknapp on Soccer Sunday, whatever it's called yesterday, that it just turned into a different game. I mean, up to that point, if that penalty goes in, of course, it sounds like I'm making excuses, but that penalty goes in and we see out the game against a team who'd looked pretty insipid as Everton had up to that point, we're all hailing a perfect away performance. And it's those tiny margins. And the, the thing I was encouraged by is that I think that up to yesterday, we've been pretty poor this season. Mm. The performance mm. has not been good. It looked disjointed. We didn't look like we knew what we were doing in the final third. We were far too languid and conservative with the ball. We were keeping it, but kind of in almost semi-dangerous areas for us sort of in our own not necessarily just defensive third, but around the halfway line and quite often giving away the ball. Yesterday, it actually looked like a return to what we were doing well last season. And yes, it's deeply frustrating that we end up conceding as late as we did. 
And it's very, very annoying to then concede very shortly after that. And we looked a bit ragged for the five, ten minutes leading to the very end of the match. But I, I'm, I can't, I don't feel like I can criticise too heavily when it felt like a different Crystal Palace team from recent weeks and from the start of the season, frankly. And it is, uh, he's right about the margins, isn't it? Because that, that penalty, obviously, if it goes in, we're in a well, much better position. It didn't. And the Everton fans, who were deathly quiet, apparently to the point where commentators were apologising for the foul language, you could hear, the, you could hear <laughs> yeah. the players on the pitch, it was that quiet. Yeah. They, they just suddenly found some noise from that and, and that swayed it in their favour. So it can really balance on these margins. Well, it can. I mean, it's, it's pointless speculating as to what might... We might have scored the penalty, they might have made three changes earlier and we might have lost 4-1. You don't, you don't know. We might have gone and scored a second goal. It was, it was one of those where Anthony Taylor, who I thought had a much, much better game than he did against Watford yeah. and looked like he was... Everton weren't roughing Wilf up, but he looked like he was aware of the, some of the tackles on on Wilf. Yeah, and there was one that kind of went by from uh, Richarlison early on, where he it wasn't as bad as a Kapui one, but he sort of trod on he trod on Wilf's here and Wilf reacted, and the ref was really quick to to calm him down and say, "I spotted it." But that's the sort of penalty we probably wouldn't have got. I mean, that's a classic Wilf dived penalty. Any time last season or early this season, all the home fans would have gone. He's dived. Pundits would have said he's dived. They assumed he had done on TV until they saw what they called the faintest of touches or what the rest of us called a trip. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> it, but, it was but a foul. But it's yeah. the sort of penalty that Rule's not been getting and that's the sort of thing that, you know, if the ref hadn't given that penalty, the, all the headlines would have been Wilf's diving. Yeah. But it was the penalty of a man who lacked so much confidence. I mean, the fact that the frustrating thing was that the keeper was down already. Yeah. It's not a question of, of power. It's just like he's already gone. Mm. Wait a split second and you can roll it in the opposite corner and it's just... And you could see, because I, I thought the irony was that I thought Luke would have had, a, by his standards, has had, a, had a, probably his best game of the season. I thought he was I much thought, better. Yeah. He was much better, and I thought he looked happier with with uh, Kiati next to him. And I think it's a shame that Maya had the, the, whatever virus he had. But it's that's why I say there was cause for optimism. But that's why I agree with Andy. That's why it was more frustrating because the game management was just wasn't there in the last five minutes, and you, you kind of knew every time Hennessy took his time on a kick you're going don't give the ref any more excuse to, to add extra time because you, with each minute that went by it looked more and more like we were going to concede a goal but you, you can see why with a, after a good whatever it was 87 minutes of performance at Everton nil nil, everyone doing okay you can sort of see why Roy didn't necessarily want to, want to change it what? you can but, it's, <laughs> but they were changing things they were changing their shape of the system uh, and it's just it's a it's a fourteen man game these days. It's just, and then when the, the one sub you do bring on is, what was the point of bringing Wickham on then? That was, it, it, if he's on the bench, there's no point of him being on the bench if he's not at least fit enough to play some of the game. And it's quite clear that the ball wasn't sticking when we did get it forward, like it did in the first half. All the first half we were very good, but the second half the ball just wasn't sticking when it went forward. So put Wickham on for fifteen minutes. Then it's quite it's telling that he brings on a, a less than half fit Wickham over Jordan Knight. But but for 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 what for thirty seconds? Well, at all. Well, at, but at all. But still. But why bring the? So, you know, it, well, I forgot. Oh, he was there because yeah. again, it's fifteen minutes to go. Bring him on because at least the ball sticks with him. Schlup, I, I feel for Schlup because I gen- generally don't know what position he's supposed to be playing because he doesn't seem to know because he he went from target man to left back to left wing back to left side of midfield. It's and I, I feel for Schlup and yeah. I do feel for Luca as well because. I thought Luca did okay yesterday. I tweeted as such, and I got absolute pelters and people saying he's terrible. And and I, even Schlupp, I thought did okay yesterday, and everyone's hamming him on, online as well. These kind of players sometimes like they sort of can't do any right sometimes, even when actually they were perfectly fine yesterday. Well, you know, it's, it's kind of indicative of what I call the silver bullet fallacy that football fans seem to have that they think all you've got to do is do this one totally obvious thing, yeah. and all of a sudden the form will recover. And earlier in the season, the uh, sort of example of that was drop Benteke and all of a sudden we'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. And funnily enough, Benteke is out of the team and we're not fine. Yeah. And now the single bullet fallacy, it, silver bullet fallacy, is uh, drop drop Luca. Yeah. And I, I, I ran some numbers earlier because I was interested Here to have a, have a look at this. And the, the sort of conventional wisdom now is Luca is appalling this season in comparison to last season. But you look at what the numbers actually say and admittedly you have to watch the game you can't just rely upon stats because mm, yeah. you can sort of see things in, in a player's body language 
that might not necessarily be, you know, transposed across into their output and all that sort of stuff. But his pass success ratio uh, percentage last season over all the games averaged eighty point two percent. This season, eighty point three percent. It's more or less identical. <laughs> yeah, he's being dispossessed a bit more this season. It's once per game on average, and last season it was 0.7. It was early in the first half, and, yeah. he, and he lost and the ball three times yeah. yesterday, which is is not ideal. So the, there is a bit more of that, but equally he's he's passing the ball more. So. Last season, the average per game was 45.9 passes per game from Luca. This season, it's 57.7. If you're attempting more passes, you're going you're you're gonna gonna to lose the ball more. more. Yeah. And there's been all this chat about, well, he's playing a far more advanced role, etc., etc. I don't see that. No. I looked at the heat map of where he was about on the pitch yesterday. It was pretty central hmm. to the centre circle, slightly to the left. He's, playing, he's not playing very deep as a defensive midfielder in the manner that he was under Allardyce, but certainly it's not as if he's playing as a 10 or as if he's sort of rampaging forward. He's playing as part of a very tight four yeah. in the way that Roy likes to deploy a four. Which he did last season. Which he did last yeah. season. And, and just, you look, at the, you look at these numbers and they don't bear out what people are saying. Now, you look at the penalty yesterday and I would agree with anyone who says that it was indicative of a guy who either was feeling the pressure of that situation or is perhaps lacking something in terms of his... Uh, um, not mental fortitude, but in terms of his confidence, because mm. it was, and they they showed this again on Sky in the uh, in the sort of package afterwards that it was more or less identical to his penalty City. against City, yeah. which again was a very very high pressure moment. Yeah. So you can kind of understand why he just wanted to get it on target. So I can see why people would make that point there, but I I just don't get why anyone would want to drop a player who is as important to that midfield as Luca is even if he is suffering from some of the issues, which I think are probably just about visible. He is losing the ball a tiny bit more than last season, as we've just said. But well, expecting to... Gyro Rudeval to come in and do an improved <laughs> job, expecting Jason Punchin to come in and do that job of being that mobile and, and dispossessing p- players as much as Luke does, is I'm, I'm going to be pretty blunt about it, delusional. Yeah. I, would have bought, I agree. I would have bought, I would have bought Gyro, Gyro on the last 20 minutes. But not for not for Luke. I would have bought him on for Schlupp just to sit in front of the... Uh, sit behind Kuyati and... and Luca, just as an extra screen, if you're going to, you know, because we weren't going to try and win the games, so you might as well be ultra defensive. But it's interesting that on TV, the commentator and the, the the pundit, I can't remember who that was, were full of praise for for Luca and how important it is to the team. And I thought what was interesting yesterday, and one of the things that was very encouraging, was that the fullbacks for the first time in four or five games were getting forward, especially yeah. in the first half. Mm-hmm. And that's because MacArthur and uh, Luca were doing much more covering defensive work that when they were getting forward they were dropping back into those positions so that's that was that was much more positive again and he's, it's because of the positive things that you're so frustrated by the and what the reverse of the people that are having to go at Schlupp and I'm slightly one of them but I it's I should, you know I wonder why Schlupp's you know, Schlupp's a really good left wing back and a good emergency left back but he's not getting to play that position so he, of course he doesn't look like a he's not a defensive minded player you can see that twice he gave corners mm. where he's trying to shepherd the ball out and he accidentally it mm. came off. He's not a defensive-minded player. So there's no point having to go at him. But the opposite of that is that people are not having to go at people they should, because there are still people who just won't accept that Sacco made a mistake for the first goal. Or was arguably at fault for the second goal. Cause, and, he, and he did, he lost his man for the... But Sacco is one of those players who, who have now become impossible to criticise. Whereas people like Schlupp and Luca are, are being criticised for no reason. And again, all football fans are the same. They, will, they won't say, well, this player had a, had a poor performance for this reason. It's always like, we'll get rid of him, get rid of him. Well, there are certain, you know. it, there's always certain players it's easier to criticise, yeah. isn't it? Which people, people fall foul of. And, and Schlupp's almost a victim of being able to play in so many different positions, which yeah. is why he never gets a run in, in a certain position. Um, well, Saka, they made a really good point. I can't remember who it was at half-time about Saka saying he's got a much higher opinion of his own football ability than anybody else has. Right in the game, because confidence, you confidence, isn't he? Yeah, you do. Some of the confidence that Luke hasn't got, but there's no. I mean, and he's got a very happy end of his, you know, pod self. Yeah, and it, and it pays off. Yeah, sometimes. sometimes. <laughs> yeah. We've we've got at least three subscribers to the pod. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm genuinely quite actually, maybe not shocked, but surprised by those Lucas stats because I yeah. feel like he's having a worse season than last season. I feel like I nearly said on this pod, oh, because he was so good last season, his numbers were so high. He's maybe not playing terrible, but he's not as high as last season. He's actually not far off. Well, well, it, well, Andy'd be the first one. He hasn't used the words "reverting to the mean" yet, but Andy'd be the first one to tell you what statistics can mean because we know yeah. from watching him that he's defensively he's not as strong as he has been last season. Just in terms of putting, I don't care what you can look at your notebook as much as you want for him. Yeah, but that, that would be borne out by losing the ball more. 
Yeah, it? but we saw at Watford, the first guy at Watford was in, he didn't put the tackle in. He's, you know, tackles last year where he would have taken the yellow card, for example, he's not doing So we know there's no point pretending that the stats that Andy's pretending to read out of his notebook here I can literally l- mean, that, mean that Luke is having a good season because he hasn't he had a better game yesterday than he's had all season and yeah. it's not he's not showing the same sort of leadership although I noticed it was very really noticed yesterday he got around Anthony Taylor much more he grabbed Will for one point yeah, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I noticed yeah. that so that was, that was what interesting what would you say to people because we've had a lot of tweets actually people saying that Luca should be dropped or asking us what do we think for about him? that for him well, well, that, that would be my response. Well. There, was, uh, there was one really well argued tweet today that said the, the midfield three should be McArthur, Kayati, and Mayer, and that which, which well, is, and immediately uh, you, you you become uh, slightly uh, more uh, overrun because you're yeah, yeah, going yeah. rather than having a compact four, putting yeah. in a three, and that's yeah, yeah, okay. Roy. That that squad is not drilled in that particular way of playing, and you might say oh, we would like to transition to that and find that. So that's a noble aim mm. to have, but. At present, that squad will not be able to play as effectively in that sort of system as in today's in, in the system that we played in yesterday. Yeah. And so basically, if Meyer is to feature, he'll he'll probably end up as one of those wide, narrow, yeah. wide men. Yeah. More so than in the middle of a three, or certainly middle of a two. Ultimately, the the midfield is not as good as last season, and the reason it's not as good as last season is because the players aren't as good as last season because you've lost Ruben Loftus Cheek because he's gone back on loan, and you've lost Johan Gabay, who was a pivotal little engine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and. Everything springs from that. And I think there's been this element of uh, reflective analysis where people say, well, Luke has been terrible. When in fact, it's just that the midfield as a whole is not as good. Yeah. And well, also, you know, the, numbers Roy, are, the numbers bear out that he's doing the same sort of stuff. You might say there are certain key moments where he's not doing it as well. And Kevin's entirely right that the manner in which he allowed, uh, was it Decore to break through? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. A, 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 for Watford? Yeah, fine. Completely take that point. It, it, he should have made that tactical foul. And perhaps last season he, he would have done so. But to criticise him when effectively it's a criticism of a team not playing as well just yeah. seems to me to be incredibly harsh. Well, also, it's, yeah. we've, we've said it every week since week one, even when we beat Fulham, it still seems that Roy Hodgson doesn't know what his favoured midfield is. Yeah. And it still seems that Roy, in an ideal situation, would play 4-4-2 decided not to play a conventional 4-4-2 yesterday but he's itching to play 4-4-2 so when he's not playing that he's not entirely sure which three should be in the middle or which is, which two are the best or it's almost like he's sort of playing for the players rather than the system yeah if that makes sense yeah yeah, yeah which I suppose would be a logical thing to do but. Oh, what do you think of, of Chiarte then because it was his third, four, fifth start third in the league yesterday I actually thought he, he did okay first time we've lost first time we've lost with him starting yeah. in five games I thought I thought Tompkins was I thought Wan-Bissaka was brilliant yesterday and I thought Tompkins was really really good yeah. although he gave it up way cheaply but the fact is no one's the whole team as Street says the whole team isn't firing on all cylinders and even yesterday when it, there were encouraging signs it's still still not a game when you go at the end yeah, we're, we're a work in progress we look like a good team we look like a team with decent players that lacks confidence and lacks shape and also looking at the bench yeah, all of a sudden when we've been saying from the start of the season, well, actually, we got a stronger squad. You look at that bench yesterday. Oh, gee, what's that? What's that? WTF? Well, that's, that's exactly why oh, I, I can understand why Roy didn't make changes. I don't think it's, it's a particularly strong bench. But just on, if we're talking about this midfield balance, of lots I, of people I, I don't us. know how many more times I have to say this. The, the Man City game, it's, a really valid, it's the best defensive midfield performance I've seen from any Palace player for two seasons. It's a very different game to it's, away It's a totally different game, but I still don't understand. Davidson Sanchez, who was his centre-back partner at Ajax, when they were both rated as the best young centre-back player. Davison Sanchez is starting more or less every game for Tottenham. Yeah. Reid as good as him and yet somehow he can't get in the first team or he can't get taken on. He's well, maybe really he's not as good as him. Maybe it was Davidson Sanchez <laughs> who was carrying him maybe, in that but partnership. He's, but he's clearly a versatile player. He's, he, you know, he's, he's comfortable with the ball. He's comfortable in possession. He can pass the ball. He can defend. It's just like... It's, and it's... There's no guarantee that Mayer would have started yesterday either. No, so I agree. You, you've yeah. got two players that are by repute you you read you know foreign websites and you listen to foreign commentators by repute are two of the best young players in Europe that can't somehow get a start in our team and you look at and you know God we all we all love punch of course we love punch mm. we all it, 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 but but those it, leagues Dutch league and where's my come from yeah, no, fair enough the different leagues to the Premier League yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't argue with them that we're better than many clubs in the Bundesliga but Dutch <laughs> league I agree but yeah but it, it's different demands isn't it yeah. You know, it's a more physical league. And maybe that's why Roy well, doesn't why necessarily fancy... Well, why are we buying them then? Fair question. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that, that is a f- the, the fair question there is, well, you've brought in a new goalkeeper who you've not played. You've brought in a guy who's, you know, 
reportedly on pretty decent money and was highly rated in Germany, but yeah, you're not yeah. playing him. And perhaps it's part of, of a long-term plan eventually to, to sort of blood them over a long period. But it doesn't particularly speak volumes as to how connected the recruitment department yeah. and the coaching departments are. So how long-term is it before Rakip and Jack get get their chance then because well, our Rakip's um, gone back good yeah good luck with using the word long-term plan in, in association with anything at, at Palace because it doesn't seem like there's any long-term plan <coughs> but I think you're right it does on. and we've said it before on the yeah. pod it does actually come back to this recruitment issue yeah, of course it does that so, like you say maybe we're not recruiting the right players for yeah. the manager or the system or the, or the league but equally mm. there's there's sort of my, my second fan fallacy of the day is unique club fallacy. We're all convinced that Palace are the only club that does certain things. Mm. We're the only yeah, club who true, makes yeah. bad purchases. We're the only club Everyone who ex, ex players score against. Yeah. Oh, it's typical that this sort of thing happens to Palace. It never happens elsewhere. Palace Yesterday, Palace Everton Wayne. were playing Bernard, who is reportedly on 150k a week. Yeah. And he was terrible. He was, <laughs> he was probably the worst player on the pitch. And I'm not saying that that necessarily means that he is a bad player. Well, wan gave him not a sniff. That's part of the reason. Well, in, in part, but it, yeah. it, it, his yeah, no, decision-making yeah. on the ball was also pretty dreadful. And that's a player on a huge... At, but look, well, at, look at Everton's bench. But Cenk Tosin for the first yeah. four months was terrible for them. Yeah. And we kind of assume that we're the only club who struggled to, to get players into the team that we've, we've signed and that every other club has an absolutely perfect track record. And it's not true. It's, just, it's just fundamentally not true. That'd Probably be, everyone says that about their own team. Yeah, that would be the Cenk Tosin that scored yesterday, would it? Well, no, because it took yeah, yeah. a lot of time to be eventually integrated into the team. But even then, he didn't yeah. start yesterday. Well, I remember yeah. actually, it was actually back in uh, February when we played them at Goodison Park, the Everton fans and reporters oh, yeah, were yeah. asking, why is Tosson not in the team? Yeah. yeah, it took him a really long time yeah. to get into the team. Speaking of, of Maya then, who obviously missed out because of a virus, uh, PC Wires has said, what antivirus software should Maya install <laughs> to prevent missing out? I've always been an AVG man myself. Never, never heard well, of you one. lot of the <laughs> comedians and pun men, so I'll leave that one to I've you. No idea. Um, can we end up by talking about uh, Wilfred Andros up top? Because he yeah. went back to that double false nine that we, I think a few of us on the pod have said we'd like to yeah, see yeah. him go back to because it worked well yeah. last week. But Andy Hopkins Hi Andy. and a few other people as well have said, please put Wilf back out on the left where he's more effective running onto balls and that defender's not good with his back to goal. Right, I'll take this point. <laughs> <laughs> He's moved the notebook to one side, ladies and gentlemen. No, I moved, it, I moved it more directly into my eyesight. This idea that Wilf is more effective out wide, tell me how many times he's actually played genuinely out wide under Roy. You look at the back end of last season, West Brom home, win. Decent performance, Andros and Wilf up front together. Stoke away, Andros and Wilf up front together. Decent win, decent performance. Leicester at home, I can't remember what the score was. Oh, that's right, 5-0. Andros and Wilf up, up top together. The, the, the only win that, I, that there was in 2018 with Wilfred playing genuinely out wide was against Burnley, which was a 1-0 win, in which I didn't think we were particularly great. Well, and the, ma- the manner in which Roy sets his team up, you can see how much it's new to even Andros Townsend, who doesn't have Wilf's ability to beat men, doesn't have his danger, doesn't have his skill. And even he looks like he's sort of neutralised by being dropped back. You can't take a player who is easily one of the best outside the top four in the league and decide you're going to put him into a, a resolute bank of four, and that all of a sudden you're not going to basically be playing to anything other than his weaknesses, frankly. And it's, well, now, which of those three games you just mentioned that we won, did Benteke not start in then? He didn't start, well, Brighton at home as well. We started with Andros and Wilf up front. Yeah. So we won in 2018, calendar year, we, we won at the back end of the season, we won more with those two up top than we did with any other combination. I think people are remembering a couple of those home games back at the end of 2017 where Wilf started up front and then drifted out wide. I think West Ham at home potentially. Which certainly, we nearly certainly, lost. Watford, certainly Watford yeah. as well at home. And which we came close to losing. Right, but where he went out wide and then from wide positions created goals and scored goals but, and that, that's, well, that's fine the, the as an option later on in the game but you can't necessarily expect if you start a, a game like that with the sort of talents that Wolf has and the sort of system that we have that it won't neutralise him but the reason we spoke about the reason we're so romantic about the Townsend and Wolf up front is the Chelsea game when neither of them played as a central striker they, you had Schlupp playing behind them who was going into the space <laughs> they created but both in that game Zahar and Townsend were all over the place so they, neither of them occupied a central striking position and the, and the fact is that Wilf 
the, the trouble is when Wilf gets the ball in that position, he's got two central midfielders around him and he's got two centre-backs around him. So, and, well, so and he if, needs support. Yeah, and, and that's what I was about to say. If, if, if he hasn't got players getting up next to him, what else is he supposed to do? Because he's not a target man. And the fact is he does... You know, the goal against Huddersfield, that's where he does his best work from. That's where he's scoring his in goals. That, in that Chelsea game, yeah. both Andros and Wilf were involved in both goals. Yeah, they were. But they weren't... That's the one, that's the one game... When they didn't, they they played in a different situation. One of them wasn't playing as a target man against Chelsea. Neither of them were. They, that's why Chelsea couldn't cope with the system because you had two of them going in and going out and yeah, yeah. going in, from, which they will naturally do because of the sort of players they are. They will do that. But so what we're saying is, you need players from midfield, which Maka was doing very well last season. Yeah, Loftus Cheek was. Loftus Cheek was. Well, yeah, you yeah. are filling those ga- yeah. filling those gaps. That's how how's this Loftus Cheek is the big is the big miss. Yeah, and we, again we say this every week. Well, Kabai, I'm not losing any sleep, but Loftus Cheek is the big miss because he was so positive because he always looked yeah to get the ball and move forward, and because he was so strong because the amount of free kicks we got in and around the box because he was being taken down. Yeah, he's a real miss, and that's frustrating and disappointing because he's not playing for Chelsea either. Well, I mean, there are have been reports in recent weeks that he would favour a move back to Palace in January we, we'll have to well, wait and then great. to we'll find that out him back and Ed and Jekko coming which is, and Wayne Rooney and Wayne Rooney which is you know <laughs> be like 2010 were you going to say something? no, no cool. not, not particularly <laughs> well no to any of those things or no <laughs> well I think I've been fairly clear on my point that Andros and Wilf <laughs> is the, by far the best option we have up front but Andros uh, to be fair Andros doesn't look fit he doesn't. He looks. He, I thought he looked okay yesterday. He got that bang on the knee quite early on in the second half, which seemed to. I have, I've not liked him out wide in in the four this mm. season. I just think it it isn't his natural role, and he just looks a bit stifled and not quite tactically aware enough of the ball to really make it work. But I, I like him up top in that that too, and he looked far more effective than Jordan Ayew has done. Mm. You know, he actually there, there was some decent interplay between him and. And Wilf and sometimes the the fullbacks when they're overlapping, the few sort of nice little interchanges with PVA. Um, yeah, and Roy indicated on the on the pod extra available for just two pound thirty five a month via Patreon dot com um, that he will probably stick with it because when asked what he thinks about them, he didn't even reference Jordan Ayew right. as an option. Only Serlot and Maya and Wickham came on, so I think we're probably going to see more of this Wilf and Andros. It's interesting. Double four nine. Are you at all? Nope. That's really interesting. Yeah, I think it's pretty damning. Well, I suspect, I mean, we'll we'll set up against Arsenal. I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but I imagine we'll set up against Arsenal pretty much the way we set up yesterday. It's going to be like an away game, isn't it? Yeah. Which is unfortunate because Arsenal's back four are not not brilliant. But then, well, Andros scored against Arsenal last season, I think, didn't he, at home? Yeah, let's say yes. Yes, he did. I believe he did. <laughs> anyway, let's also say yes to part two. Nice. When we're going to have questions from our <laughs> listeners. So join us in a bit. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey! hey. He's yep. excited because he has statistics. Oh, no, I'm, actually, I'm actually all out of research now. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that poor chap asked one question. His yeah. first question he's ever asked. He'll never ask again. another one. I'll uh, field this. <laughs> That's fine. He's, he's entitled to the opinion. It's fine. Good. Yeah. And this podcast is sponsored by Vector Printing. For I mean, your it's printing completely wrong, but it's fine. Need to go Free to vector.co.uk. It's vector. Free the pod. Cool. Okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, everyone knows it's fine. Um, and JCIS Global Research Brand Consultancy from South London. Visit jcharvinhouse.com. I will. Good stuff. Um, right, before we get on to questions from our listeners, um, since the last pod, um, the Block E400, mm. not the official term, but that's what I'm going to call them, um, who are being asked to move for the new singing section. That sounds the- like a brand of oil lubricant for your engine. <laughs> Block E400. Yeah. That's more like an 80s funk band, isn't it? Oh, maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. could be. Well, I bet they're really glad that we're trivialising their situation so much. <laughs> we're not, we're not. No, we're not. Okay, so um, they have had the letters going out, <laughs> letters and, and phone calls and yep. emails, mm. uh, offering them a compensation package. Would you like to know what that is? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I already told you anyway, but anyway. Okay. Um, it's uh, 1,500 loyalty points, half price season ticket next season, although I believe that's just for the one season, I imagine. Uh, a Golden Eagles membership whatever that is, which includes 10% off club shop purchases. Uh, I think that's it. Um, obviously I think the phrase, whatever that is, is an indication that it's 
one of the reasons the package hasn't gone down too well with no it hasn't turned out there are a lot of people from eBlock on that walk last week weren't there and they all had something to say about the situation um, so yeah so that's where we are there's, there's, there's rumours on the I mean there's lots of rumours and stuff on the message boards and Twitter and stuff that there might be a meeting potentially between the 400 and the club um, what are your thoughts on it I mean obviously it's difficult to comment on it when you're not affected when you're not you know not, which none of us are as one of the 400 but it's it's a messy situation that seems to be getting messier I thought um, I thought it was interesting actually doing talk sport yesterday how they raised the subject in the parameters of why should any of the rest of us care which I explained hopefully why they should but um, yeah I thought the the statement that the 400 released was a very measured, uh, dignified statement expressing their disappointment at the offer and the way it was couched. And it seems there were issues with people that were phoning them up that seemed to be reading from a script, etc. We can only we can only say what we've said right from the start of this. It's like for the, for good reasons. Bad decisions have been made, and it, it's like my, all I'll say is, what I, I, I'm like a stuck record. It's like we want the HF back, or the, the, you can call it the singing section as much as you want. We know what he's talking about. Yeah, but at the same time, the the, the one group of people who shouldn't be getting any stick are the people in E Block, and they and anybody who's sitting anywhere else in the ground who's giving them stick are wrong. They they deserve to be treated with more respect than they, than they perhaps they have done, and I I absolutely understand why they're disappointed. I know a lot of people in E Block who and it, are frustrated that their emotions aren't being taken seriously. People that have been there since nineteen ninety four is like as I always quote mate, said, I've raised my kids in there basically. So of, of course they shouldn't be. But I, you know, I've only had my season ticket in half the wait for three weeks. So I don't. I wouldn't mind. Leaving. I was in the upper block in Homesdale for nine years, mm. still wouldn't have minded leaving. But at the same time, I fully understand mm. anybody who, who doesn't want to. And I think they should be treated a little bit better than they have done. And that's, again, because we're living in such a binary world now, mm. I need to point out that that's yeah. not criticism of the HF yeah, yeah, yeah. or the club. Yeah. It's simply expressing sympathy for a group of people who I feel feel they're being hard done by. And I understand that point. Well, especially that there are, there are groups of them that... Are, Large groups that have sat together for 10, of, 15, 20 years. Of course, that's part of the who fun. Who are of, worried, legitimately, of course. that they're going to be broken up. And anybody who doesn't understand that part of the fun of going to football is that you don't, you know, the, t- the three guys we sit next to with our season tickets, I wouldn't dream of talking to them during the summer. I couldn't think, can't think of any reason why I'd want to meet them during the summer. But <laughs> I, I hope really, they're not listening. Well, say that, well, one of them's got a bar now. So, but of course, they, they, they will understand. They'll laugh at it. But of course, as soon as the season starts, like, do you know what? I'm looking forward to seeing yeah, them. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. And it is, you, and, that's after three seasons yeah and I already know about their family so, so if you've been sitting in the, in the, with 20, 30 people for 25 years yeah of course you're going to be upset by the, the as you said like, it, like earlier it's not a criticism of the HF or the singing section and in fact there are many people from block E from the 400 affected who are supporting the singing of section course, who want course. it to happen yeah yeah lots yeah. of people signed the petition but it has Andy in a way it's taken a massive sort of shine off all that hasn't it really I mean ugh. What's your phrase, a zero-sum? Well, yeah, it has turned into a zero-sum situation where someone has to lose out, unfortunately. Mm. And that's happened because the situation has been allowed to develop in a certain way. I I, I have no idea where this all originated from, but it seems like someone believed that, you know, some assurances were made by the club towards those at the front of Block B that something would happen Mm. and that they were given at least some sort of tacit acknowledgement that something would be achievable. And however that's escalated, it's got to a situation now where because that's led to a fairly unsophisticated uh, solution, effectively we're going to transpose those 400 people to the back of Block E and that's fine. You've kind of got a situation where I, it's difficult for those people to draw any other inference than you're giving a preference to another fan mm. at my expense. Mm. Yeah. And but it always I, feels I, like they're saying these fans are better than you. Yeah. Well, uh, and it's it's very difficult to avoid, you know, drawing that that conclusion from it. Particularly if you're one of those people who's sitting there. Effectively, you're saying, you know, we, our atmosphere is terrible, and we need these people back because they're really good at organising and creating a din. And the only way we're going to get that atmosphere back is by getting rid of you on your bike. So yeah. I completely understand why those people yeah. think that. Equally, I think all of us as Palace fans have to 
or to the extent any of us showed any sort of um, not favourable response, but uh, at least uh, some sort of acceptance or acknowledgement that the idea of a singing section was was you know a nice idea. Mm. It has given not necessarily a carte blanche to go ahead and do this, but it's certainly allowed that particular idea to fester and, and you know be fermented. Um, so it's it's now got to a situation where ultimately I don't really see a way out of this because the the, the, the manner in which you could have got to a slightly more equitable situation would have involved a very long period of consideration. Mm a long period of trying to work out how you engineer that stand sufficiently that not everyone is hacked off massively and a few people might be slightly inconvenienced by moving a little bit or, or whatever or by taking a really long-term approach to how you price certain sections of the stand to try and incentivize people to move so that there's sufficient liquidity in seats. Yeah, But those sort of things take a lot of thought and they take probably quite a lot of uh prior planning and that hasn't really appeared to happen here and i can i, I completely get the grievances of the people at, at the back of blocky they will say now um, with some justification there isn't anything in terms of available equivalent seats mm. in this stadium for me mm. so you're saying to me a half price season ticket but i don't want to go to the front of block b mm. and i don't want to go into the arthur weights and there's not sufficient availability in the main stand for me to be able to move there really yet anyway and you're talking about well, uh, you're talking a about more new, expensive season ticket well, no, road, quite. Yeah. and you're talking about the possibility of a new main stand but that's <coughs> three four years down the track so why do i care and as i say that the manner in which you you could perhaps grasp and, and deal with that issue is by being a little bit clever and strategic in how you price different elements of the lower homestyle but again that's not ever going to be perfect and that'd be something to take quite a lot of tweaking and quite a lot of forethought to try and make sure that people want to move to the front of block B for example from yeah. I don't know the front of block C and getting people sort of starting to shift but at the moment effectively all you're saying to those guys is like here's your compensation package move to the front of block B and we'll try and sort you out with a ticket somewhere and it might happen you know you might end up with a situation where they all get a nice new seat that, that sort of works for them and that has a has a decent view but unfortunately it, it does go to show what can happen when a dispute or a contentious situation spirals out of control mm, yeah. and where you don't really grasp the nettle early enough and think about it strategically and you've got to really say that I don't think anyone has in this situation Do you think the club panicked a little bit when the HF decided not to to, to I, split I, up in a way and then of course we didn't I, I, score goals at home and that escalated I don't know I, I think your second point none of this discussion wouldn't be anywhere near as intense as it is if we'd won two three home games simple as that because we wouldn't be equating the loss of home form with the loss of the the HF. I can't say whether or not the club panic because I don't know. None of us still no. know because yeah. neither side will agree on the version of events. Neither the HF nor Steve Parrish seems to agree on what actually happened, who was promised what. So I can't comment on whether anybody panicked. I, I will say it takes some doing to to alienate both sets of fans, and it it takes some doing to to upset the HF to the extent that they're not going to games and I think they would well they're there uh, aren't they but not well, they're there, but I think yeah. I think the club not I think the club were too quick to get rid of those seats I think the sensible thing to do would have been to retain or not sell those suddenly available season tickets down for the HF that but hindsight makes things a lot more sensible but mm. I I also think that Steve Parrish trying to do the right thing shouldn't have got involved in the first place because I don't think there's any other club in the Premier League where the chairman would have found himself involved in this situation it would have been delegated to somebody somebody else at the club his, his fingerprints wouldn't have been anywhere near it he would have waited he would have just said like he's done for the past 20 years I don't know why he didn't just say to Phil Alexander you sort it out because that's been his solution to a lot of problems and it's but it was always the fact that they didn't predict that there was going to be upset in the block is slightly worrying the fact that they didn't predict that this is going to be a long-term process that in any business you make a major change like this it's going to take one two three seasons and in the meantime keep people sweet while you while you're doing it it's i think i think you're right i think like obviously steve came on the podcast last week and when you hear him talk about the process i always believe he kind of always has a club's interest at heart and always thinks he's doing the right thing i think the club believe they are doing the right thing here but Possibly the way it's 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 developed, and as you say, and it sort of escalate quite quickly, means that you have got some people who feel like they're they're being unjustly well, kind of cast well, aside. But it's also an indication of our binary world that we come that we got slagged off for allowing Steve Parish on the allowing Steve Parish, which was the tone of certain tweets. 
there's like because somehow we're taking sides because we allow the chairman there's not I don't think there's another club in the Premier League that would, where the chairman would come on a podcast an independent podcast and try to explain the situation and yeah. still the podcast and the chairman gets criticised for trying to explain the situation yeah because people on either side are going, oh, well, you're on their, on their side then. There are no sides. But again, you know, that's, that's no. a product of the fact that we're struggling this season. Everyone's angry course, about that. Of, Emotions of are high. Of, of course. And you say we do live in a binary society, and we've said that many times on this podcast. Well, li- listen, hopefully there'll be some progress with this. And, and I think in an ideal world, I don't know, I'm not even sure there is an ideal world in this, to be honest. Well, there's, but, no, there's, no, there's no, certainly not a convenient, easy solution. And no. once that nettle is grasped yeah, and people realise that this is going to be a long-term process and it's going to involve a lot of consultation over a long period to, to get to a situation where there isn't at least one grouping of people who are utterly hacked off, <coughs> then it can perhaps be addressed. Well, also, I mean, if, if people are listening, you know, John Curran, who's the JCIS, you know, specialises in conflict resolution and has done before. So there are people, there are probably hundreds of Palace fans who have worked in HR and negotiation who'd mm. only be too happy to help get the three sides together because there's no malice from either side. I mean, the, the problem is it could become, if it's not dealt with soon, this, yeah. this is an issue that could be there for seasons to come. I think all sides want a solution, f- don't they? Everyone wants it sorted out in the kind of best way possible no they don't they want it sorted out in their way possible which is not always the best way possible but it needs it can't be allowed to fester because it, it will affect the atmosphere on and off the pitch well as I said earlier there were rumours on I think the message boards and Twitter that there has been or there might be a meeting between both sides so hopefully something will come of that are these the same message boards that say we're signing Ed and Jekyll and Wayne Rooney in um, January potentially yeah yeah <laughs> Um, let's move on to some questions uh, from our listeners. The first one comes from Quentin Solden. Oh, hi, hi Quentin. Quentin. He says, please ask Kevin, is it time for his first wobble of the season? If so, I'd like to join in. The first one? <laughs> We've not been listening to the pod. <laughs> I've been listening to, I promised I wouldn't say this, I've been wobbling since half-time at Watford. <laughs> can, that, can Quentin talk, join in? Of course Quentin can join in. Anybody, the bigger the wobble, the better. As far as I'm, We can have a Mexican wave of wobbling going on. <laughs> I just it was, I was really pleased halfway through Richmond Park on the marathon march when somebody came up to me and said, "What do you reckon happened at half time at Watford then?" I, was, I don't know, mate. <laughs> Something happened. Were you there? <laughs> this conspiracy <laughs> now—you've you've made it a thing. Oh dear. Okay. Uh, well, speaking of wobbles, then this has kind of been the sort of theme of today, certainly since yesterday online. Uh, Idaho Green oh, hi, uh, Idaho. has tweeted and says if Luca converts that penalty and we take a point or three from Everton who are currently in eighth would folks still be calling for Roy's head and that is a question that has been echoed by a lot of people Andy are that's they? surely lot. we have quite a few um, uh, what people calling for the managers no uh, of, co- of, of course they wouldn't because people can't often see beyond the scoreline and that happened last season when we were starting to improve and there were quite a lot of frustrating draws and games where we lost very very marginally in, in the autumn of last year and we haven't been as good this season leading up to yesterday's performance as we were in that period so to a certain extent you can understand it but you know it is yeah I can say it till I'm blue in the face that people need to look at how we're playing rather than what the final score is yeah, yeah. But his, no, his, no one will ever do that because that's not the nature of being a fan his, is his, his body language doesn't help sometimes Roy's Roy's to be honest I mean that's and that's I. He seemed he didn't seem particularly touchy yesterday, did he? No, I just on the touchline, he doesn't. Yeah, there's never never looks like there's much activity going on our bench, which is sometimes a good thing, but sometimes a fan wants to see a bit of. But is that a bit like good old fashioned panic? Is that a bit like <laughs> saying someone's got like resting bitch face? Yeah, well, it's, like, it's just the way you are. His demeanour doesn't seem. What's he, that mean? You know, it's like when you're like got somebody no emotion just, in your face. Just look, some, some people look some angry. Some people, like lawyers, for example, <laughs> occasionally affect a demeanour where it looks like their their normal facial expression yeah. makes it look like they're a bit of a dick. Yeah, so, that's just my face. Yeah, I, I, why you thought I was talking about uh, not you? Because well, you picked a specific profession while you looked at me deeply in the oh, eyes. Yeah, and pointed at you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 way too early. It's, it's yeah, of course it is. It's. It, it comes back to the frustration because again we thought this was going to be the season where we push on uh, and now already the most we can hope for is a top 10 finish and some people think that's optimistic it's just that it's the nature of if if we got a point out of the game yesterday we'd be saying that's a good point but then next week we'd say we didn't play well but we got a point but it's just it's the nature of yesterday's defeat which is frustrating and the fact that there are you know I'm guessing and I'll probably be one of them I was moaning about subs 
all night about. I guess if he brought subs on and it still didn't work, I'd be saying, why did he bring subs? Yeah, yeah, why, yeah, did he, why did he change? Which, it? He, did so, he, which he did against Wolves, too. Yeah, well, and which you know, Pardew couldn't win. He, I'm not a Pardew fan, but he couldn't win if he brought subs. On. He's like always the wrong sub at the wrong time. Yeah, or no subs. So the the the, 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 the sack, quite unquote sacking Roy situation, which we'll move on from quickly because it is quite frankly I don't think lu- they ludicrous. Know. I think he brings might. up two questions. though. one, who on earth do you get in? I mean, there's no legitimate candidates to do that whatsoever. We said, why can't we unearth somebody from the Portuguese second division that like everybody else seems to do? Because <laughs> he'd come in and be a fa- we, we had, we had, you know, the, a, a Dutch legend come why in. Can't and he was, he was why can we get one of the best coaches in Europe? Get him in. And also, too, Andy, and you were talking about sort of fan fallacies from earlier, but yeah. this idea that we're going to, you know, we're not progressing, we're not pushing on. Six seasons in the Premier League, we've got a £100 million forward up front, who's best, the best player outside the top four. We're doing okay. You've gone from having Dean Moxie and Danny Gabadon, who was pretty decent, to be fair to him, but, uh, and, and Stephen Dobby starting that season with Owen Garvin, to now having a, a demonstrably better team. And so the, the, league I, table, the league table doesn't show that we're a demonstrably better team. That's the frustrating thing, that we have got, we have got decent players, but the, that's not shown in the performances. That's what the frustration is. And I think... The nature of the league, though, is that you are yeah, always going to yeah. finish somewhere between probably 8th and 16th. And yeah. yeah, there's there's a bit of a range above that. Yeah. Right now it doesn't. But well, we finished yeah. 11th last season despite starting with a record-breaking bad start. And I'm not saying that it necessarily follows that we'll finish in the same position. Yeah. Well, but we get, we jump to these ridiculously binary big conclusions so early. We do seem to be a second half of the season team. That's If there's the Palace way at the moment, that seems to be the Palace way. But I think... I think some of the reasons that maybe the press has started to speculate about is that you know, Steve Parrish, as it turned out rightly, was very quick to get rid of De Boer. And the, our recent run of results, allowing for the fact that yesterday's performance was better, but you can't argue that the performance against Wolves was better or the performance against Bournemouth was better. You can't argue that we've had a run of poor performances. No, we've started so, the season badly. We have, and yeah. the, but Parrish, Parrish isn't the manager known for his patience. Pardew is the only one that he kind of hang around waited too long for so that's why people start to think and that second half of the season team yeah. thing has come from mostly from getting from new managers the manager, from getting a new manager yeah and I don't think I'd be amazed if Roy Hodgson was to, was to be sat I wouldn't be amazed yeah. if he resigned at some I, don't, I don't see that at all I, know I don't at the moment and I'm not calling for it I don't want it to happen but the, the fact is I think I think if we even allowing for the fact that our next four games are against very difficult opposition and I don't think we'll get hammered in all of them but I also don't think we'll get a point in any of them so if we do come out of that, you know, if we if we come out of those next four games with seven points out of thirteen, Steve Parrish isn't the sort of manager who's going to go. I really like Roy Hodgson; he's a nice bloke. He's going to be the sort of bloke who's getting phone calls from Americans going, "What's going on? We can't allow this to to continue because we're we're in danger of our our, our points total after thirteen is in danger of being lower than it was this time last season." But as you said, we have history. We do have history of, we do, we of turning do, we do. it around. We do, and, I, and of course, I hope we do. And yeah, I think yeah. Roy's the, the person. It's, it's way too early to be talking about that. But if we get hammered against in our next couple of games, then people will be talking about it. And, and it is the nature of the Premier League, you know. Yeah. And we know that that a lot of managers the the average time now of staying in the job is quite is quite Ludicrous. short. Yeah. And in fact, on that, Peter Windsor, Hi, Peter. Peter says, is a Watford model in brackets replace manager each season the way forward? Are we expecting too much from managers in the modern game? To evolve each season, does stability well, come good, from the back of house strategy but that's a good or question. front of house management? But we, by by default, we've followed the Watford model by getting a different manager. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's not the plan. Watford, Watford have always always worked on that plan, like a lot of Italian clubs. Their Italian owners work in the way a lot of Italian clubs do, which is you 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 reinforce success by getting rid of a successful manager. Doesn't make any sense, but it's, it has worked for. But Watford's season has followed the reverse of ours, and it will do this season. Watford started the last three yeah. or four seasons yeah. well, yeah. and ended up crossing us on the way down. Yeah. But it, it, it's not a plan. I don't think Steve Paris is right. We'll start the season with the manager we started last season, but we'll sack him Didn't in January. Off, yeah. That's not. If it was a plan, hats off, he's working on levels far higher than I gave him credit for. <laughs> and of course, but, you know what would happen if you start yeah. doing that? Everyone would say, well, why can't we just have stability? Well, it, well of course. It, and it, but I mean, the Chelsea model is it's like the Chelsea versus Arsenal model. You know, Chelsea had how many managers in the time yeah. in the last 10 seasons? Changed the manager virtually every season, won the Premier League three times. Arsenal kept Wenger and didn't win it at all. So chaos management does work sometimes, but with us, it's, it's sort of forced upon us rather than us <laughs> working it out. 
Okay, yeah. we're speaking good of something. Question, though. Yeah, it's a very good question. Um, finally, then, this question comes from Art Vandalay32. Oh, good Hi, name. Art. Hi, Art. Is it time that we substituted Glad All Over for the Who's substitute? <laughs> Might just, just be the just, song to Chalkroy's memory. Just, <laughs> just start oh, playing Chris, it midway through the second half. Well, if anyone's the man to do it, Chris Grierson is the man to do it halfway through the second half. <laughs> just start playing it. Just sublimely, a little burst of substitute across the tunnel. Yeah. Ultimately, with the Roy thing, I, I think I, I said at the end of last season, I didn't view him as being the Messiah that some did because he had very good He's players very at his disposal yeah. and in the same way this season I don't quite get the clamour for him to go he was neither the Pep Guardiola that someone trying to say he was at the end of last season nor the complete clogger Mike Bassett that someone now purporting him to be now at, at this point in time so ultimately we've not done well at the start of this season and he has to bear the brunt of some of that because some of the team selections have been strange mm. the refusal to use some of the new signings has been baffling mm. the refusal in some games not yesterday, but in some games, not to make a change and to be pretty conservative in how you go about things has sometimes been to our detriment. But if you come away from yesterday's match going, well, that shows Roy's got to go out, got, no, got to be no. got rid of, then I'd, I'd question what game you were watching. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, he won't be panicking either. That's the thing. We, no, we, there were times, yeah, five or six games into his tenure last year, where you're going, "What well, this man? What well, he doesn't know what he's talking about." He he will understand. He'll identify the problems, and he will yeah. he will work those problems out. I thought it was interesting because he got quite snarky with Serlot after Serlot's comments. It amazes me that players don't seem to understand that in this day and age, something he says in Norway yeah. might suddenly sneak out, especially for a manager who's got a, yeah, the most multilingual <laughs> manager in the league. I just didn't realise. Yeah. Yeah. I thought well, that the eight languages he had yeah. Norwegian wasn't one of them. But I, I just, yeah, he, he won't be able to work the internet. How will, no. he, how will he work the internet? <laughs> but I thought his response to Serlot saying, I'm frustrated for not playing for Palace, we're not playing for Norway, so you're clearly not doing something right, which yeah. is quite... In, interesting mm. but well, he'll know the Roy will know the problems he'll know he'll identify the problems it's whether he thinks he's got the players to I mean the the, the difficulty is the closer you get to the January window is what the Americans and Steve Paris decide to do in terms of, of finance in terms of how much they and spend recruitment. To bring, and recruitment to bring mm-hmm. players in and then because you'd hope from what Steve Paris has told us in the past and what other people tell us that that recruitment process has been going on since last season and that we're lining players up that we couldn't possibly maybe couldn't get this summer but get, yeah. bringing them in in January but then the other problem of course is the lower down the Premier League you are the harder it is to encourage these players to to join yeah. us well we will see and obviously Roy's been a manager for 40 years he's been in this kind of situation many times before well that's not a good sign then is it <laughs> oh, alright not many but, <laughs> but not, yeah, I know. surely by ratio who would have done well, I, it's interesting. I believe he's it's exactly like, the right manager I, for us I, at the moment I think it's interesting the amount of Liverpool fans Say well, that's exactly how he was with us. It's a totally different story. Hundred percent, totally different story. He's a he's a manager. He's the right manager for a team at our level. Yeah, and he's proved that in the past with yeah. Fulham and clubs like that and West yeah. Brom. And you know, it's the response he gets from fans at every club he goes back to, except Liverpool. And it, I think whatever happens, it will always it will have a place in our hearts. Hmm. The fact is, whatever happens needs to be managed with dignity because he is. It, this will be his last job. In, as a football manager is that a Neil Warnock last job or an actual last job <laughs> no I think an actual last job in this, uh, I don't think there's going to be a scenario when Hodgson's on his tractor that Warnock claims to be on every time he gets to call for a job he's like, maybe he's got a really nice tractor and I'm pretty sure that Sam Allardyce is every, he's lifting the phone up and checking it's still working but I, whatever happens with Hodgson he's a Palace fan he's from Croydon yeah. he deserves being treated with some dignity basically whatever happens which is well, why yeah. I don't think he'll be sacked this is why I think if 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 anything, God forbid, does does happen to you, will be, he'll be allowed to resign. I hope. Yeah. He'll well, he signed a new deal, didn't he, recently? Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I believe, and I, I hope, hope he sticks with it. That he will see that deal. I hope he does. I hope it. Yeah. So, and we will see yeah. out part two oh, because we're going to go into fire. part three. Where we're going to preview. Fire. Well, I had to happen at some point. Um, preview Sunday's game with Arsenal. Welcome back to the Fire Plan Podcast. Hey! Hey! Pod 269 sponsored by Vector Printing for your printing board needs. Go to vector.co.uk. It's Vector with Kate. Okay. And JCIS, a global research and brand consultancy from South London. Visit jc-is.com. I will. Oh, why did you say K? Okay. Okay. It's very smashy and nice. Thank you. Unintentionally, which is quite upsetting. Arsenal on Sunday. 1.30 kickoff at Sellhurst Park. The start of this four-game 
run, Kevin, that I don't think anyone's looking forward to. Can I pose you a question straight away? Uh, pose away. From, <laughs> last time I heard that. Uh, from Jim Foster. Hi, Jim. Who says, should Wickham start against Arsenal? Any brackets? I think he should. Even if he's only good for 45 minutes, we missed the focus at Everton. He won't. Is he good for 45 minutes? Well, <sighs> he shouldn't be on the bench if he's not. Mm-hmm. Really, I mean, it's I I can't quite get the logic. Of, you know, he's a professional footballer; he doesn't need to learn about the atmosphere. So you think he must be fit enough? And fingers crossed, he is. But he's been out for nine nine on two years. He's probably a better player than Serlot. He's probably a more mobile, definitely. Right, but he's probably a more mobile centre forward than Benteke. He was playing really well. But he's not the answer to our our question. Suddenly, it's not like we've been waiting for Conor Wickham to come back from injury and we'll all will be well. He's a good player, and I'm really pleased we got him. But it's way too early to. But is that because of the situation we're in with the lack of? I don't think it, I'd, I'd be amazed if he starts, given how conservative Roy. It'd be astonishing that it, you know. He wants to get Mayer fit, but he's throwing Conor Wickham back in after a game against Dulwich. Well, and also, th- this is this is the thing. When someone's been out that long, when you drip-feed a player back, Andy, I guess part of it has to be the fewer minutes on the pitch in a high-intensity Premier League game, the better, really, because then there's less chance of them redoing their injury again. Yeah, I know you have, to, yeah, you have to build them up yeah. to a certain speed, but also fewer times they're on the pitch against you know someone like Arsenal. Well, I think there's two oh. things that are telling. Number one, that we had 18 available senior players plus Julian Spironi yesterday so yeah. of course he was always going to be yeah. put on yeah, the bench yeah. even if yeah. it's just well you're sort of half fit so you can come on for 10 minutes if we need it at the end to yeah. head away a few headers if we're ahead or maybe to get on the end of something if we're behind and secondly the, the point that Roy made in his comments where effectively he said well it was good to see Connor Wickham back on the pitch he's now going to have to put in loads of hard work in training yeah. which didn't suggest to me that all of a sudden he's going hmm I'm going to put him on against no, Arsenal for, for 45 minutes and it's going to be a really long recovery and rehabilitation if there if there is to be one. Yeah, it's, Which it's it already not, has been. Yeah, well, it's been well, you know, but just to get hugely long, but just to get, get him back to Premier League level yeah, football. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and also, also, don't put him on the same pitch as Granit Xhaka. Not the most, the arguably the dirtiest player in the, in the Premier <laughs> yeah, League. Yeah. So like, don't let him get anywhere near. And it's like he won't start. Of course, he won't start. And in an ideal world, I don't think Roy would have him on the bench yet. I mean, I think there's a, a high chance he won't be on the bench. Yeah, to be perfectly I mean, honest, a, a, in the Carling Cup game at, or whatever it's called, the Carabao Cup game at Middlesbrough, I imagine he will feature somewhere. Mm-hmm. But I'd be amazed. I mean, we've got players back fit. He won't be on the bench. If, if we assume that Maya and Serlot are over their viruses or they've got their antivirus software, then they well, would be yeah. probably... So I, re- I regret we didn't have a funnier answer to the antivirus <laughs> software, but I'm a middle-aged man, so I didn't fully yeah. understand the question. That I, <laughs> I was thinking about penicillin and Lemsip, but you know, it's too late now. Um, I, uh, <coughs> it's, it, how, how have we come to the situation where we've only got eight, 18 fully fit professionals as well? Well, you've only got 25 to start with. Yeah, about seven. I think missing. a few have gone out on loan, potentially, yeah, there, or injury, uh, I guess the injuries. I don't think he fancies so. I'd be. I think, as Andy said, I think it will be the same, the same starting eleven and the same system. I don't think he'll start with Mayer. His logic will be that Mayer's still getting over his flu, so he can't start. Uh, and I think we'll play. As I said, we'll play it like an away game. I think the, the, my my theory is my hope is that there'll be more intensity from the fans as well for this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you because know, the atmosphere wasn't that bad against Liverpool. I don't care what anyone said. That was quite a decent atmosphere and I think it'll be the same against against Arsenal and I think it's one of those one thirty kickoffs that you know I quite like those one thirty Sunday kickoffs. I think there'll be a good atmosphere. I think Arsenal will have really surprised me how good they are going forward but yeah. they're vulnerable at the back and if Cardiff can score two against them, mm-hmm. we can score against them. But logic would would say we well, yeah, we've not won at home, we've not scored at home. So But then logic in a, in a very take... quote unquote palace palace way, scoring yeah. against Arsenal would be would be yeah, classic did, really. We didn't well, we didn't yeah. score before we went and beat the champions last season. So yeah. it's part of, I find yeah, it a bit, bit strange that everyone's talking about this inevitability of losing four games on, on the spin when you'd probably get odds, I think uh, Mike Wicks who's been on the pod before was saying earlier today, six to one on losing all four in a row and Football isn't that inevitable. We, we might lose all four, mm-hmm. but as I say, last season you, you have that record-breaking losing streak at the start of the season, and then you beat Chelsea at home. And if anything, Arsenal. Do, I'm not saying that we'll get a result against Arsenal because they're actually a pretty good 
side now and they've developed, you know, they've yeah. unbeaten in a good number of matches now. But one thing that struck me when I watched their match against Fulham is they put the ball at risk a huge yeah. amount yeah, with yeah, yeah. really risky passes yeah. in their own defensive third. And they let Fulham in. The Sherlock goal came from a sort yeah. of bizarre pass of that ilk. And their fullbacks and, really push on as well. Yeah, yeah. And you would have thought it's all, it could almost be akin to that Chelsea game at Selhurst last season where. Uh, Andros and Wilf were able to sort of expose quite how little attention they gave to both of them operating in the channels and floating about. And now I've said that we'll probably lose five now. Well, just, just on the, <laughs> and, and Andy, Andy Bolding, Hi Andy. Andy. said after watching us play average and lose to teams around us, where are the points going to come from the next four games? So I guess Kevin, with Palace, you always know that there's always that big result to pluck out the bag somewhere. We did. We had a spell last season when we had five or six games against teams around us. We didn't beat them. Not long after Roy took over. And we had a spell at the end of the season when we played five of the top six and we lost all of them, I think. Mm-hmm. So our, you know, our record against the top teams at Sellers isn't brilliant. We have beaten Arsenal in recent memory. It's not, I don't think, uh, the one, it's not consolations. I don't think we'll get hammered in any of them. I find it, I'm struggling to see us winning any of them. But you don't know, we're not, we're not a poor team. We're, we're, that's why I don't think we'll go down. We're better than seven or eight teams in that this yeah. sounds like I'm damning with faint praise but we're better than seven or eight teams in that division and I, oh, think, easily. I think we'll solve our problems and we will recruit our way out of it if we have to is it more of a case yeah. of getting through these four games don't lose Wilf to a big injury don't get hammered maybe get Wickham back to 45 minutes of fitness and to sort of get through it damage limitation I, I think, think you sorted it there yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well also it's, 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 do you know what it's just as much a case as getting a fluky go in the first five minutes yeah and suddenly, which which happened against Chelsea, the first goal was a double deflection against Chelsea. We'd already played well, so we deserved to score. But then you just saw the confidence levels in a team that had lost seven games on the spin just just went through the roof in that one half. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of what it takes. It's like all the plans. You just want a bad back pass. You want to you want the, you know, the whole game when you're worried for the, the whole week beforehand. And if somebody said to you, "Don't worry, one of their players will give it to Will for two mm. minutes," you know that's. That's what you're hoping for, rather than any great plan coming off. And what I, what I want for us is to try and win the game. At least against Wolves in the last game, we were positive for the first 20 minutes. So what I want us to do is try and beat Arsenal, rather than try and survive against Arsenal for for 90 minutes. Because if that's our mentality, then I don't think mm. we can. Because much as I love Sacco and I do, despite criticism, he's got that mistake in him in every game. It's simple. It's as simple as that. And those mistakes are costing goals now against Bournemouth and against yeah. uh, Everton yesterday those mistakes are costing us points so you know yeah. I, I don't think we should go into the game with the mentality that we can't possibly beat Arsenal Arsenal are one of those yeah. one of those teams that teams like Palace can be and obviously yeah. that 3-0 from two years ago yeah. or a year ago will, will be fresh in the memory let's wrap up there uh, obviously if Maya does still have a virus we could play James McAfee nice. in mid McAfee is a antivirus. Yeah. That's the best I can think of. Wow. Yeah, it's taken you a good hour. Well, I'm at least I apologise for, for not having any knowledge. Of, you've been, have you been Googling? Is that what you were doing? Yeah. yeah was I thought McAfee you were paying attention was like the only one that came up. So. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. On the plus side, we only need 10 more wins to stay up. Yeah. I thought that was going to be a pun. Yeah. You're welcome. Okay. No, actually, actually, he's a lawyer. Yeah. You should be doing the puns. You're a comedian. Well, I just, I just did one. No, I mean that. We need, ten, we need 10 wins well, to stay up. Yeah, yeah, we'll get yeah, I believed you when you said it. Well, we'll get us. Anyway, thanks very much, lads, for being on the pod. Thank you for listening. Hope it was cheery enough, everybody. <laughs> I think it was all right, wasn't yeah, it? Was all right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, the extra pod will be with you after the Arsenal game on Sunday. You can get that at patreon.com. And uh, that's Free it. Pod. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, we'll see you again soon. Bye. Podcast Network.